Welcome to Kafaru Cast, everyone. I'm Solo. Frank's in Idaho hunting mule deer, and I have got the great John Dudley on the other end of the mic. We're going to talk about our recent mule deer hunt in eastern Colorado. Uh, thanks for coming back on, man. Yeah, no problem, dude. I always love having a chat with you. It's always good for a laugh. Yeah, <laughs> it's good for something. Uh, so, yeah, John was recently in uh, eastern Colorado with my, my buddy Alex, and I, I was out there as well, and... Uh, John was able to stock in on a couple different times. And uh, what was your final shot on that mule deer? 20, 23? 26, I think. Okay, because uh, I I, uh, I was out with uh, John for a couple days, and I came back in, and I was planning on going back out to help. And then you said, I have eyes on. And then, you know, and I'm in, I'm in conifer at my house. And then Alex messages me, and he's like, this – effing deer is gonna die he's like john is on <laughs> top of it and he films it and i'm like dude i'm on the east side of denver i'm turning around and, and alex is like no you're cool man we're good because i was like i was coming out obviously to help get eyes on and then once he was like dude dudley's gonna smoke this thing and i'm like yeah i'm, I'm going back to do some office work so i kind of left you hanging i apologize but i i felt you were in good hands at 20 sub 20 some yards away <laughs> i was like okay they're on top of it but you will three days in and that stuff though it's like i could be at nine yards and i wouldn't text someone saying he's gonna get it i'd be <laughs> like well we'll see i mean i've been in alberta so many times where it's like i can't get any closer to this deer without like having a bar conversation with it and i still cannot like see what i need to see to get a shot it's just tough i don't I posted a few videos uh, where I shot mine and, uh, you know, people were like, how do you, how, how did you even see it? And I was, in, in my case, I'm like, luck, we, we were high racking it. We were, we were standing in the back of the truck getting elevation, trying to watch them bed. And when they bedded down, I'm like, uh, dude, I only saw one go in there. I know there's nine. So there, you know, nine deer able to disappear sub 300 yards from us. And, you know, you get in there and you're like, I have a better chance of stepping on one than I do of shooting one when you get in there because it's, it's that thick. And you're, how tall are you? Six, 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 five, six, five. Yeah. So give me, <laughs> give me an idea on one of John stocks when he was down in the hole. I'm like, where's John? And they're like, we lost him. And I'm thinking, oh, that is a little bit taller than I thought it was because it looks like rolling grassland. And when when you disappear, I'm like, huh, I guess that shit's a little bit taller than I thought it was because he's 6'5 and he's gone. I cannot see him. <laughs> uh, so it's pretty crazy how the terrain in general. Well, I mean, we should probably go back. Like, first off, even even trying to get me to go out there and – kind of hunting the corn for probably three or four years and you know it's just always been one of those things where I've always had commitments the first week of October either um with like deer hunts that I do for like opener or um my moose hunts that I had booked you know in BC which this year I did have a moose hunt booked but then obviously with COVID it was kind of cool I you know I was able to to call Alex and, and be like, Hey dude, this is, I have, I have, I have the chance to come out if that'll work, which it was awesome. And then, um, my first days there, we tried the corn, which I really wanted to do. Cause I've never, you know, I've never been able to 
I've just never seen deer act like how these deer acted in corn. Like whitetails aren't as comfortable as a mule deer in corn, which was really a sight to see. But we just didn't see the type of buck that we wanted. We saw some younger deer, and he does a really good job. He, I mean, he's a he is a passionate big mule deer killer. So he um, he's really into management and if you know if if it's a younger deer he's he's passing that deer up and saving it for hunters for another year which was cool but um we went to that spot where you ended up killing your deer i think for one or two days before that and we're able to get a little bit of intel for you like we were able even though that that monster uh i guess it was probably a two mile section of corn they would all be in there at in the morning first thing and then they would filter out and the one thing that mule deer seem to do that aren't necessarily like whitetails is they definitely have more of a pattern still i mean even though they were just out of velvet they they really use that one saddle a lot and i told you i'm like if you like go after one, you're never going to see it once you're in there. It's so deceptive how thick it was. And I told you, I'm like, the best thing you can do is like take a little book out of the Texas hunting and just stand up on that, you know, stand up on like that headache rack or whatever and just kind of drive the farmer's roads and see if you can spot something in there and just get a pinpoint and then get after it, which is pretty much what you did i think for your buck well the 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 first one that i that not that i want to talk about missing but the the first one was that wide four by three which mm-hmm. would not be a cold buck for 90 percent of the planet but for um for it definitely was a cold buck for alex and i don't think you wanted to shoot it either if i remember uh it wasn't a buck uh, it wasn't a very good scoring buck it was just a cool buck it was more like a yeah, it's just it was just a good buck. It was wide, but it didn't it wouldn't score well. We watched that thing go into the weeds, and we weren't we weren't high racking it there because we it, luckily where it curved into we could it was on that um, uh, border of the the corn in that you know whatever tumbleweed. But yeah, we we got in and and I don't um you know I don't take my my boots off until I know where a deer's at out there because it like I can't believe how long you walked around with socks on. <laughs> but I knew where it was. So we, you know, Josh and I went, went down and, and we, we got to where we could see it's time. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to have to shoot straight up in the air and have it land on it. I'm like, I don't even know if it stands, if I can shoot it. And he, Josh is laughing. He's like, well, dude, he feels safe. And the safety, how safe they feel in that is pretty um, amazing. Cause a couple, a day later I was 32 yards from it. And, uh, he kept looking at me, making noise, trying to get closer, and he kept feeding because they don't know if it's a deer or not. But I ended up having a nine-yard shot at that wide buck, and I thought I could get through uh, the hole in the weeds, and I deflected high by a, a fairly substantial amount. <laughs> like when the, the arrow left the bow, I'm like gold. And then about four yards later, uh, gold turned to shit because I watched my arrow launch <laughs> above it, and I'm like, oh, god, so much for high FOC because I'm I'm I've got 300 grains up front on that arrow, and it didn't, didn't it, it? There was no help whatsoever. It's not like I you know punched through anything. It just rocketed over the top, and it, as you know, you were in there before I was, 
you'd need a bazooka to get through some of that stuff. I mean, you could even walk through some of it. Yeah, it was um, it was really, it was really cool stuff. And someone made a comment on my post of like why I've gone into so much detail about this hunt, why I was so excited about my deer, and it wasn't, it wasn't just because of the deer. Because honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't there trophy hunting. Um, I wanted, you know, I wanted one of my really good buddies to shoot something better than me. But I. I just felt like, for me, there, there, it was just a very difficult board game because you could do everything right, but then you wouldn't be able to, to see it. Or the other problem that like we haven't even talked about is the fact that if you, if you do find the one buck that you're wanting to go after, like in mine was in just a jungle you don't know about the other 15 or 20 like whitetails, coyotes, porcupines, skunks, all the other stuff that like all of a sudden hears one sound even though you're 200 yards away from your target and then all of a sudden just gets the whole freaking field flushing out because no one knows what the heck everything's running for. So it was just, it was really tough and I don't know. I was I was excited about um, that deer. Luckily, you you literally found it because we were we were struggling. To be honest with you, it's a drought year. There was no wind. It was pretty much impossible to to stalk in the corn because of the noise. And then on the other side of that too was, you know, we just I wasn't like. I didn't feel like I had to shoot something. I mean, I've, I've had a really like cool, uh, fall already. And some of the deer, like the one you, like the one you shot, I just told them like, Hey dude, I don't have to shoot a deer. I've got like, I've got deer like that at home and you know, I'm not going to just shoot something that's just like something that I've already shot. So, you know, I was kind of looking for something unique and then, you said, you know, hey, I'll come down and help you glass for a day. And we actually went that morning to where you ended up shooting your buck, and then you went over to this other spot, and we had left you, and literally I just got out of the car and and started kind of stalking through that saddle that I sent you on. And, and then all of a sudden I kind of heard something. I turn around, and here's that raptor freaking just – haul in the mail like back to us and i was just like what the heck's going on and then he's just like he's like aaron's aaron found a buck you know and so we come over and of course like you go out for all of four minutes and have this buck like (laughs) walk across this five mile opening right past you to like go into this stuff and just to talk about like terrain and deception you watch the buck go to the end of this field and you watch him like kind of go down through the saddle and then you saw him come up this other side. So you tell us, you're like, all right, dude, go over there, get on that fence line, go down to like, you told me the num like the post number. You're like, go down to that post and you better be freaking quiet. Cause he's like, he's a hundred yards off that fence line. And I'm just like, all right. So we freaking, you know, got over to the fence, <laughs> took our freaking boots off, hung our boots on the fence, getting our socks, and we're freaking just like 
ballerina tiptoeing all the way to this post that you told us about. And I'm looking over and I'm like, dang, this sucker bedded down already. And I'm like, looking, looking, looking. And then I look back with you at the glass and you're kind of like, you know, giving me the thumbs up like, you're right there, bro. And then finally after, what was it, a couple hours? It was a while, yeah. Finally, you know, I'm just like, come over. I'm like, dude, we're going to have to wait for tonight because he's... Well, you, he's not there. And then you come back. over and you, you were like, oh, yeah, dude, sorry. He was, when I saw him, he was up there, which was freaking quarter mile to a yeah, half mile. I was going to say it was like, 400. <laughs> <laughs> so I just sat there with my freaking nards in my hand for two hours, like not making a peep and just like barely, you know, whispering to Patrick and just sitting there like afraid to touch any stick around me and uh that deer was freaking well by the time we saw him that night that deer had gone three quarters of a mile from where you had me sitting that whole time well and what was funny uh so you know alex um you know i i'm, I'm on in the truck and you know alex goes get you know go i did because it wasn't anything special me finding this deer it walked right in front of my truck right he's like go over here <laughs> glass down so I mean, immediately I'm looking where he told me and I happen to look left and they're walking like 300 yards in front of the truck. Now I'm kind of parked behind these big hay bales or not behind, but I've got some cover, you know, the deer's not, they're not even looking my way. And I'm like, no, not a shooter, not a, oh, oh, that's a big deer. So I, I text the photo to Alex and I'm like, hey dude, I found a big, big buck. And he's like, he doesn't have the photo. He's like, Snyder, he calls me, is it big? And I'm like, it looks big big to me dude i mean it's 190 i, I was like i don't know how many one <laughs> it's, it's got the inline it's got what you told me i'm like uh dude i can't imagine dudley wouldn't shoot this one it's it's giant and i sent uh him a picture and i think i sent you a picture and then you guys you know came over to me and then that's when you dropped down and what's funny is you showed me a picture later of what it looked like where you were and i'm like i think i just chuckled and i was like uh my my bad, yeah that that looked a lot closer uh, to me, and I'm like Jesus, it, it's 400 yards to what I thought was a hundred to you. It was 400 away, so yeah, that was comical. I mean, comical for me. I was in the truck, not comical for you. You were in your undies and socks. It was comical for me too. I was I was having a legitimate like good time out there, if I'm honest. Um, but yeah, I think. I think that hunt for me just there there was so much going on to where you're like this isn't in your hands like you can do everything right and this is probably not going to happen like you know cuz those deer are in that stuff because they know you know they know that they they know how safe they are in there when it comes to just their ability to you know if, if they're walking with their head up, you can barely see the top half of the rack. But if they want to get out of there, they just drop that head down low, tilt it back, and they'll be you'll just see weeds moving for like 300 yards and then all of a sudden they just pop up. So I mean, it's it's pretty cool. It it was a for a bow hunter, it was a legit challenge and I've experienced that a lot in Alberta in the canola fields on years where there's good rain and that canola is like chest high or higher. 
and just very, very intertwined. And the deer can maneuver through it, and their hide just slips through that stuff, doesn't make a sound. And once they bed down, the only way you see them is when their head pops up um, that one you know, that one time, that's the only time you're going to see them is when their head pops up, you know, when they reposition in their bed. That's that's really the only time you're going to see them. Well, and I, on the one that I shot, I got super lucky because we're in the back of the truck in the hood waiting for everything to bed. And, you know, there was a yellowish patch that I thought, okay, there's my marker, which was a joke because when I got to make the approach, I couldn't see a yellow, pink, or magenta <laughs> patch. I couldn't see anything, but I had a general cool. direction. And I only had to go 120 yards maybe. But I'm not exactly a set of, you know, car keys to begin with. So I'm, I'm creeping through this, and I get – I can smell the deer, and I what? can't see the deer, right? I mean, I can – I'm like, that smells like mule deer. So, you know, in my in my mind, right, I'm like – okay, they got to be relatively close if I could smell them because I had a wind blowing right to me. And there was, I think, nine or seven bucks that had went in there. And so Gosh. I thought, okay, Snyder, keep it in your pants. Just stand here for a second. <laughs> like, don't if I can smell them, they got to be relatively close, you know. And literally about 15 seconds after I stood there, and I was knocked up and, and hooked up and ready, a buck stood up in front of me at 9, 12, 14 yards, was looking the other direction up the hill. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll shoot you. And, and, and I <laughs> shot it. But when I shot it, to give you an idea how thick it was and safe it was, when that deer ran off and died, only one deer moved after I shot that deer. And he stood up and laid back down. And so I was like, huh. That's interesting. And Josh is, is back at the truck, you know, trying to flag me in, which he could barely see me. So it, it's that thick. And and just, you know, not, again, like I just got lucky the deer stood up. I could have done that 100 times. 99 probably would not have panned out the, the way that it, that it did. And when I, it was funny, when I was glassing down to, to you when you were on the buck the, the next day, um, you know, we're, we're looking and we can see you and we can see the rack of that deer. And I'm like, Christ on a cracker. He's going to talk to it in a minute. Like he is, you know, in, in a spotter, it was even closer, but you were 30 away. Maybe is that how close you got to it or 20, 20 something? Yeah. Um, I forget how close I got. Well, it yeah. looked really close in the spotter. Cause we could see your head in the rack and I'm like, this should be interesting. Like, Huh. I got, you know, you don't, you don't ever know exactly that. I mean, the wind could swirl, the deer could get up and feed to you. I mean, you don't know when it's that thick. Thank God he had a big rack because we could see at top of his tines. I couldn't. Yeah. Like I knew I was close and I couldn't. Well, actually, let me, let me back that up. So just to like, for the listeners out there, you know, if you, I'll kind of go through, the, like that whole process of this stock just so people can, you know, maybe get a feel for how I approach that situation. But, um, so the first day, um, the first day we were able to, to see the buck, um, a long way off. I mean, he was, um, I think he was probably two miles to the east and, 
we were checking that real thick field, could not see anything. And then all of a sudden, about 30 minutes after light, we spotted one deer like way, way east coming across this wide open field. And I'm assuming he was coming from water because I think that was the only water over there. And the field was just like this ate up cow pasture. There was nothing for him to be out there grazing on. So he came, I, I, we spotted him a long way. So we just started running and tried to, you know, tried to intercept him where he was going to come back into his bedding area. And we got about, I could see the top of his rack on the other side of this uh, cattle fence. I could see the top of his rack, and I could see him coming into this area. Honestly, very close to where you had told us you saw him that day before. So I'm like, okay, this is where he likes to to bed. I need to kind of get there. So we got within maybe 150 to 200 yards from him. And uh, I jumped down on the ground at that point. Um, I had, when I first started out glassing for the day, I had crispies on. Um, once we saw the buck and started running, we got probably 300 yards away. I took my crispies off cr- quick and I put on crocs because the crocs are actually really quiet in a lot of terrain, um, quieter than just a real hard, stiff sole. And there's also just less drag because the boot's not as high on your leg. So, um, And then I always have my double socks on. Like as soon as I go to put my Crocs on, I put two layers of socks on. And then I put the Crocs on, and then that way I can go. And if I have to kick those off quick, I just kick them right off and I'm going. So we were in Crocs, got to like, I don't know, it was, it was less than 200, but not, you know, it was definitely more than 100. Kicked my, kicked my Crocs off, um, snapped them on my back, and then started to barely move. And I could see the buck's rack coming, and it was actually coming right to us. And we were in a real thick clump, and there was like a swath patch where it was, honestly, if he would have popped out right there, it would have been a wide open shot. And I'm like, holy cow, this is going to work out. This is going to work out. He gets about... 90 yards from me and all of a sudden like he freaking pops up two white tails pop up and just start running towards him and like he has they literally heard him which freaked them out and then them running freaked him out so the next thing i know i'm going from you know we're 30 minutes into daylight this buck's walking right to us about ready to step into an opening where i'm going to have a 40 yarder shot 40 yard or less shot i've got perfect cover he'll be wide open exposed to now he's just freaking bounding off through this stuff and we had to just grab our stuff run up to the top of the hill and we just see him just bounding 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 and i've seen him go into this one area which was probably four or five hundred yards away from from that position i glassed I saw him go into an area, and then all of a sudden I couldn't see him anymore. So I just, you know, I assumed, okay, either he got into a bowl, he got into a rise, or he bedded. So then we did our best to get within, I think I got right at 109 yards from that last mark I had, you know, which it's it's really important when you're in stuff like that or canola to try to find one thing that you can for sure identify. And if you can't identify it in the field, like if it all just looks like the same exact thing, 
then what you have to do is you have to line up something on the horizon that's a reference and just keep that line and just walk. Or like I think what I did was I think I ranged it and um, it was, you know, somewhere around 400 and something yards. I found this one like kind of, I don't know if it was like an old water tank or something way up on the horizon, but I just walked towards that. And I walked towards it and just kind of counted my steps. So when I got to about 300, I just kind of just got comfortable. And I sat there for, honestly, probably about an hour. I mean, I had like a full Yeti of coffee and just sat there and had the wind right and just sat there and sat there. And then finally, all of a sudden, uh, actually, Patrick, my camera guy, just goes, is that him? And I look and I'm like, holy crap, there he is. And he's standing up and he kind of just repositioned for a quick second and then just bloop, the rack goes down. So now I know where he's at. I got a range of that. It was 109 yards. Then I I looked at like where my safest place to try to get to him was with the wind. I ranged that. And there wasn't a lot of wind either. It was pretty calm. I ranged that, and I think that was somewhere, because there was like a big green bush right on the edge of this thick stuff. And that was right at like 30 or something like that, or uh, 70 or something like that. So I thought, okay, if I can get to that, I'm within 40. So at that point, uh, Crocs came off, and honestly, I've experienced this a lot where you know, when you have pockets that have bulk in them and, and, you know, even though, and even like having knee pads in your pants, like every layer you have is an amplifier of sound. That's why like a rain suit just has more noise because it has a waterproof membrane. It has the outer membrane, you know, sometimes they have an insulating membrane. So all those layer, all those different layers are kind of in a way like, amplifies the sound so i pulled my camo pants off i went right down to my hex bottoms which are actually really any type of like the sika um uh core lightweight pants or like my hex they're they actually are made to be slick so when you pull an outer wear garment over the top that you don't have binding like if you have an old pair of cheap like original long johns when you go to bend it like binds on the outer layer and it like ends up like pulling your pants down type stuff really high quality base layers they're designed so that they are slick on the outside so that the outerwear can slide on them but since they are slick like going grass and stuff it's way quieter it's like half the noise and honestly when there's only a five or six mile an hour wind you can't spare any noise with a mule deer. They just, they can hear so good. So I went down to those and I just started slipping and I would only move when I had a gust. If I had a little gust of wind, I would move in the whole time. Like I would look to see where I need to put my feet so I don't step anything that would really crack. And then my eyes would immediately go to that mark. And as I'm moving, I'm moving only when my eyes are able to be fixated to make sure that rack doesn't pop up when I'm in the middle of a move. And then I got down there to that bush. I ranged that little mark that I had for him, and it was 
the the mark that I had for him was actually 34.5. But I knew if I was going to get a shot, he'd have to be on my side of it. So I set my sight on 33. I laid down on the ground. I kind of slowly just started pulling out like any thorn or anything around me. I'd just pull on it real slow till it came out and I'd kind of move it to the side. And I just kind of made my own little bed right there and just laid on my side. And then every, you know, every five minutes or so, I would just peek up just high enough to where you know, the bot, the top half of my eyes would go up. And if I saw tines, then I knew I'd have to be ready for my shot. If I, if I didn't see tines and, it, you know, my head would just go back down, I would just lay down on my side. I had my bow with an arrow on, release was on. It was like just leaned up against that brush. It was so thick. All that stuff was so thick. The sage or the sage, I don't think they're sage, but the tumbleweeds and stuff. My bow just laid against it. It was just sitting there totally ready to shoot. And I would just, I don't know. I f- you were watching then. So how long was I there? Three hours? Yeah, maybe? every bit of three, I would say. Um, you know, and, and it's a totally different when you're in a truck talking to guys eating whatever it was, your cameraman, what devil. He had uh, jelly beans covered in nerds. Uh, totally no, off the subject. It was jellies, yeah. Yeah. Which- with heroin in them. Yeah. I couldn't stop eating them. So I ate all his jellies watching you. So my time was flying by much faster than yours was, <laughs> but it was at least three hours and you were, I mean, sub, you know, somewhere in the 30 yard range. I mean, we could see the deer's rack pop up occasionally. And then every half hour or so we would see your head pop up. And one thing that, you know, hunting in Alberta and, and uh, Eastern Colorado, one thing I've I've noticed that guys really have a bad tendency to do is one pop up and range four hundred times the same thing. Like I get you want to double check, but once you've ranged it, it's it's best to keep movement to a minimum and don't keep ranging it. To, you know, it hasn't moved and, and the earth hasn't rotated and changed the the distance and <laughs> and also. You know, every time you pop your head up, which you have to do to, to confirm, but there's a happy medium. Um, and when you cross that, you, you, you're raising the percentage of getting seen, making noise every time you pop your head up. And you, that was one thing that, that I had mentioned to Alex. I was like, he's smart because you would only pop your head up every little bit just to confirm nothing had changed. The deer was still there. Um, because if you keep popping your head up or if you leave your head up and the deer stands to stretch, right, they'll usually get up, stretch, feed a little. Well, if he sees, you know, there's six, five Dudley standing up, he might, (laughs) might just bound out of there. That's why they are, they get that big. I mean, that deer was probably five or six years old. Um, and so you don't want to be just standing there when he looks up because if he stands and stretches, that's when you have time to, to stand up and, and shoot him rather than if he stands up and you're just standing there and then he's got to watch you draw. And that was another thing you did was you drew your bow, then stood, not stood and drew your bow. And that's another problem. There's a lot of movement when you stand up and draw your bow, and, uh, and, and that, which is not good. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. And And – you know, when he stood up, I could see him. I could see his rack, and all I wanted to do, I was only exposing my head enough, which I think I posted that video on my Instagram, 
when I was peering my head up that little bit, all I was looking at is at what direction is the rack facing. If I could see his fronts pointing towards me, I was just literally staying straight down. And all I was doing was watching the back forks. And once I seen him move to where the back forks, you know, turned and the front forks were were pointing away, that's when I drew and then rose up. And, yeah, 32 yards, had my pin just right on him and shot and high deflection, just like you. And, uh, and honestly, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't find the arrow. So we really didn't know like a hundred percent where the, you know, what had happened. And I, you know, luckily the next day I was able to, to, to do the whole stock that everybody, you know, everybody knows about. But one of the conversations you and I had, because after that, which, you know, that was one of those deals where it was easy to say, well, this is, he's guaranteed going to kill this thing. Well, it's, I, I knew right away it's not a guarantee because he's in a really tough, like, this stuff is just, you don't know what's going to happen. You really don't. But did you miss, did you deflect that same, was it your deflection that same day? Yeah. That, that, or, no, or no, it, day it, was, it was the night before. Um, okay. Yeah. So you and I had um, you and I had this discussion about because you're out there with your stick bow arrow and obviously you've got you know a lot more in the front than what I have and but you also had what head were you shooting? Uh, it's a it's actually not even out yet, but it's a Rocky Mountain three blade. Um, it's like a tomahawk on the front of my my arrow. It's a big. It was a two hundred grain three blade. So it's made by Rocky Mountain. Uh, well, Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear, not Rocky Mountain. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, okay. Traditional archery shop here. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, that thing was—it looked like a land shark, kind of, but probably a lower profile three blade. I don't, I don't know what it would look like, but you know, we had this discussion of, okay, I think Alex said, well, when when I had my deflection, he said you'd be way better off with if you would have had a fixed blade, and I said, hmm. I don't know. Aaron had a fixed blade. He had the same deflection. And so we got into this discussion of what's better, a mechanical that if it opens, it's not going to fly right, which for me, what what I started doing years ago is I actually put a dental band on my tri-pans. I put one on anytime I'm like in something like that because it gives me a little bit it takes a little bit more to open it up, but I also know that if I grab that arrow that has a dental band on it, like I'm not going to take a long shot with that. I'm not going to use that one on like a large game, but going on this hunt, you know, and I knew I was going to be in the corn stalks. Um, I 100% knew, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a dental band on. And then also, um, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I'm only going to use that arrow if it's, a somewhat closer shot because obviously it's going to take more energy to open that up. But we just, we had, I think, a legitimate discussion of what's better, a a mechanical head that's at the most a half inch, you know, and and honestly only two sides, a half inch or 
a fixed blade that's, you know, an inch and a quarter or an inch and a half that also has three exposed blades. So it was kind of a, I don't know, it was a kind of a catch-22, wasn't it? Yeah, and I don't know that there's a right or, or wrong other than what, you know, personal preference and confidence, which is, in my opinion, more important than, than anything. Um, you know, you, you need to have, you need to have confidence. You need to have, uh, you know, in what you're, you know, you're shooting. And, and in my case, and I think probably your case too, um, the high deflection, I think it was my veins that, that hit. I think my, my veins are what caused the crisis, not the broadhead. And, and I don't know for, for you, but like, if, 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 um, if my broadhead would have hit, um, you know, for one, I would have been more comfortable, uh, or I would be more confident saying, yeah, I, I know from, from just, um, you know, you, I, I, I wing arrows through weeds just to see what happens. If the broadhead would have hit, I would have been in better shape. But when the veins hit, uh, man, you're, there's nothing you're going to do. No amount of fuck is going to fix that. And <laughs> I, I, Oh man. And I, I missed my bucket nine yards by a foot high. And yep. when I released, I'm like dead deer. And like I said, four or five yards out of the bow, I went from dead deer to shit. I got to go find my arrow. Cause it <laughs> launched over the top of that thing. And you know, at nine yards, um, you, I mean, that's so close. My arrow hasn't left my line of sight yet. Or it hasn't crossed over my line of sight. It's still arching to hit my line of sight because my bow's so slow. So it's a relatively easy shot for for a stick bow. It's not anything that I, I think at nine yards, I'm by far better off with a stick than a compound just for the simple fact I can shoot faster. But a deflection is a deflection. You know, you know, feathers, veins, whatever's hanging off, your knock catches I think people would be surprised if they did slow motion video or photos and winged a few arrows through willows. What happens to your arrow in your case? And I think the same, I had a hole to shoot through. Um, now, obviously I didn't make it through that hole. My veins caught, but I've had a few people ask me like, you know, is that an unethical shot? And I'm like, well, you know, define ethical and unethical. If I'm at nine yards and I've got a four inch hole, I can shoot through that hole on a bet all day long. I'm taking the shot. I, my vein caught and I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't capitalize, but I don't think it was an unethical shot. I mean, I thought I could make it through there and you know, it could have been a quarter inch difference of glory to misery between you and I, it might've been a quarter inch that caught, but that's enough to cause a deflection. Yeah. I was really confident with my shot too. I wasn't at no point did I think, you know, I'm just going to give this a try. Because I held it full draw for a while. Believe me, we were know? watching. I know. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> like forty-five I, yeah, seconds. I, yeah, because I was like, okay, I'm gonna. As soon as like I could see a perfect little window, and honestly, the the piece of um, I think it I think it was like a tumbleweed. It was dang near like, I thought it was practically against his body. Like I thought he was pushing against it. Um. But it might have, you know, it might have been something else. But yeah, I think, you know, I think all that stuff is like super valuable. And honestly, that's the kind of, that's what made that whole thing like, I don't know, just real rewarding for me. I, I was, I was a hundred percent just so pumped when that came together the next day because I, I knew it was just, it was something where everything had to be in your favor, and. 
you know, the day that the the day that the my kill went down, every, you know, it just it was actually really cool. I mean, we'll talk about that, but before we go to the next day, I, we do we do have to at least talk about after I missed that buck. Um, at that point, I had dropped my backpack. I was in my undies, still in my heavy clothes from the morning when it was colder because that's kind of when it all started and I didn't have any hydration. I was like, when I called you guys on the phone and said like, you know, we need to come down and look. I don't, you know, I'm not really sure what's going on. Um, I said, but I need Aaron to come down with three things. Water, water, and water. <laughs> <laughs> I look like Homie the Clown because I, uh, I had all my gear and my optics and whatever we were sharing tripod. Anyway, so I'm like, I'll just fill my pockets up. So I came down with uh, uh, six water bottles and, and Gatorade bottles in my my cargo pockets and <laughs> pockets and everything because I've I've been there many times myself where you know my my bright ass all I brought was a can of chew, no water. <laughs> and then you're pinned down for five, six hours, which you guys were there every bit of three to four. Um, you know, by the time I got down there, if not, actually it might've been longer than that. Um, it could have been. Cause it, well, it, it was three when we were getting excited, uh, watching that deer's head pop up. And it was a good bit after that, before you took the shot. It could have been, I just remember, I remember just like, okay, Aaron's coming down. And as you were coming down, I remember thinking like, God, I'm so hot right now. Cause like the heat just radiating out of all that, like, I don't know, just drying out tumbleweed and stuff. And I, I remember like, I thought like, oh, you dumbass, you got these freaking fleece gloves on. Cause I had some heavier gloves just for quietness and didn't want to expose my hands. So I, I take these big fleece gloves off my hands and I fold them inside out and I like went to put them in my pocket and realized like, Oh crap, my pants are like still <laughs> 400 yards up that way by my backpack and stuff. So I had my gloves and I thought like, Oh, I'm going to get Aaron. So I freaking took my gloves and I tucked them in my pack <laughs> and literally like tucked them like ballerina style. And I, I looked at, Patrick because he was kind of looking at me like what the hell are you doing and I looked at Patrick and I go do you think Aaron will notice and he's like yeah it's very noticeable and I'm just like perfect so you came over and I'm just you're like hey dude uh, damn what happened and stuff so I'm just like I'm like where's those waters at and you like reach down to your side pocket to like grab your waters and I seen your eyes just like freaking look like what the hell? And then you just kind of got the waters out of your thing and you were kind of just doing what most guys would do in the shower, you know, in a freaking locker room. You'd just be like, I didn't see that. Look like, away. Look away. Look, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's and I'm like, oh, I got him. I freaking got him. So then when you gave me that Gator raid, did you see how hard I arched my back? Like when I when I leaned up to chug, I just freaking just threw my hips out and just leaned back and just chugged. Looked like and magic I was kind Mike. of like 
I had I was my eyes were mostly closed, but I was pe- kind of peeking through my eyelashes to see if you'd like take another look, and you did, and I'm like, oh yeah, I freaking got him, I got him. I didn't want to. I didn't want to say anything like I was a meat <laughs> gazer, but the first thing I was like, Jesus, John could piss out of a canoe sitting down. Good God, and uh, it, it, the human body, right? Like I was, I was laughing as I was telling Amy this. Like I'm a, I'm a boob guy, and I've brought up before that, you know, a, a chick with a really low cut shirt, kind of showing them off, would be no different than a dude walking out in a set of sweatpants with a chubby, right? I mean, how do you yeah. not look? Well, I'm like, huh. Okay, look up, Aaron, look up. And then and a few minutes later, you pulled your gloves out, and you're like, oh, it's where I keep my gloves. I was like, oh, he did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I looked at you, and I'm just like, you looked, I'm just like, they're my gloves. And you're just like, oh, God, thank God. You're like, oh, man. I just, Yeah, I had a good laugh out of that. That kind of helped me get through the misery of, uh, of missing at that point. But um, so then the next day, I guess just to continue on, the next day, uh, how it played out was after that deflection, that deer, you know, we were trying to find him that night. We could not find him. And the next day we went and kind of did what we had done the, the other days when you did see him, went to those bales, glass, 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 never saw nothing, gave it a couple hours, nothing. So I'm thinking, well, this sucks because now, like, all the does and stuff that we did see over a four-mile radius, they were all bedded down, and I thought, if he's bedded, we're not going to find him. And it's the last day. There's supposed to be good wind coming, which would have been ideal if we could have bedded him. So... um. Alex was parked probably two miles away. So I just told him, I said, hey, dude, I go, I don't want to tr- crash through all that stuff because, you know, I knew he'd have other hunters coming. I said, we're just going to walk the perimeter of this whole section on the outside as quiet as we can, and we're just going to glass into all that thick stuff. So we, we walked a mile, nothing, turned up went a half mile saw a couple does went up probably another quarter mile and all of a sudden you know i'm like i see this freaking unicorn balloon from like half a mile away stuck in the fence line so i you know i knew okay i'm gonna grab that thing when i get up to it so i go up to this uh unicorn balloon and i'm like having to tear it off the fence because it was kind of this big sucker and it had like multiple parts to it so it was spun around that thing so i'm like really ripping and tearing and like getting this you know it's like a piece of aluminum foil and then i kind of crumple it together and i put it in my side pocket of my backpack and then literally take two steps and patrick grabs me again he goes is that him and i freaking look and like 120 yards across the 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 barbed wire fence in that thick stuff, here's his rack, just like moving real slow. Like I don't know if he heard that sound and it stood him up or what. And all of a sudden, here he goes. He goes up and over. And so we're just on the outside of the fence. I slid my Crocs off in my socks. We're on the outside of the fence where it's just like pretty much a cattle trail, which was convenient. And we just kind of paralleled him. And he came up to the top. He ended up 
getting with a fork horn. A fork horn stood up as he walked by him, and then they got together. So now I'm thinking, like, oh, no. Like, two? It's even worse. And they go, and he beds. I see him kind of mill around, and then he beds down. And where he was milling around, he was on a high rise, so I was ranging, um, and I got a range on his rack. It was 116 yards. And I'm like, okay, he's 116 yards. So then what I did was I got a big piece of tumbleweed, and I hung it over the fence right there. And, and then I marked where he was. Actually, I used a telephone pole that was on the far horizon, and I'm like, okay, he's bedded down straight under that telephone pole top right there, 116. So I looked at the, the wind forecast, and it was at that point, it was, I don't know, maybe 8 o'clock in the morning, and it said there was wind coming at 12 or 11.30 or 12 o'clock. So I just laid on my back, laid right there um, for probably two hours, and he stood up again. He moved a few yards. He kind of milled around. I could just see the top of his rack. The forkhorn got up and walked away from him about five yards and bedded down further away from us, and I thought, okay, this is what I need. And then same thing kind of dropped dropped my um, my pants off to where I was just down in my hex, pulled my socks over my hex, um, quietly kind of slipped through the bottom side of the fence and left my pack and everything. And then as soon as that wind started gusting, I thought, okay, he's been bedded for about two hours. He's probably going to stand pretty soon because I could feel the sun, you know, as the sun moves around and they're not in the shade, they're going to move. They're going to reposition in the, into the shade. So I just started tiptoeing up there, tiptoeing up there. And when I got to where I'm like, okay, i got to be close, I turned around and I ranged that piece of sage. And I remember when I thought I was close, I turned around and ranged the sage, and it was 69 yards. So I'm like, okay, you know, 46 right now. So then what I did was um, just one step at a time, I was just, my eyes were fixated on where I thought he was, and I just, one step, one step, I just counted down from 16, I just count, I'm like, okay, just try to see if I can get to 30. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, I counted down 16 steps, I went down on the ground, I turned around, ranged that freaking thing, and boom, yep, I'm like, right there you know so i'm at i'm at 30 yards now so let, let me interrupt real quick because keep in mind i was not i'm i'm home and then i was at the office and i'm 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 debating to drive out and i'm like okay they haven't found it and i'm driving out and now it's literally like watching not to over dramatize this but the super bowl i got my bluetooth on or no i had you on my my bluetooth in my truck and I'm getting the play-by-play from Alex as you're on this thing. And he's like, he, he's on, you know how Alex is, he's, he, he gets super, he's very passionate. Oh, yeah. He's on top of him, bro. He's on top of him. I'm like, well, don't get off the phone, fucker. Like, tell me what's going on. And so for like third, I told him, I said, Alex, I'm turning around unless you tell me different. He's like, bro, we're good. He's right on top of it. 
if 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 he doesn't make a good shot and we need help looking, I'll call you. If not, we're golden. And I'm like, okay, well, don't get off the phone. And he's like, well, I'll call you back. And I'm like, all right. So I'm driving back up. Now, obviously, you don't know any of this because you're on the stock. And he calls me. He's like, yeah. dude, 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 he shot it. He, sh- he shot it. I, I, th- I, I got to go. I'm like, well, mother fucker, what happened, right? <laughs> so he calls, he calls me back, hard shot, bro, hard shot, it's down. I'm like, thank God. Okay, so anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I'm at, I'm at 30, and like, I'm just sitting there. Um, I, t- I think I took my quiver off at one point, had it there, and then the wind really started blowing. I mean, it started blowing to the point where I'm like, man, and I could see his rack, I could see his rack and I could see which way it was pointing. And I'm like, if he stands up right there, I'm never going to see him. And as soon as he stands up, like he will hundred percent see me. Cause I had no cover. The cover was only chest deep on me with, on my knees. He was in the thick stuff. So then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be ready. And I'm just going to go one knee forward at a time until I can really feel like I've got some chance at an opening. And so I just moved four knee crawls, and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I think that's a pocket. I could see his rack, like, entirely. So I rolled my sight to 26, and I just sat there, and I sat there for probably, well, meanwhile my phone's just, like, vibrating, 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 and I, you know, had it, like, tucked on my hip, so I, like, took it out and like kind of set it on the ground and I looked and it was Alex like you know like where are you and I just typed in like I just typed 26 and then you know I don't know what he was saying after that but I could hear like buzzing and I'm just like dude just freaking shut up you know and I could see the sun get on the buck's rack and then I seen the buck like lean his head back to get out of the sun. And then over the next 15 or so minutes, the sun, you know, I could see the sun on his fronts. And then I could see it halfway down the main beams. Then I seen it on the G2s. So, and then I seen his head start moving around. You know, it was going back. It was licking. It was going forward. It looked the other way. And so I just turned back to Patrick, who was 10 yards behind me, and just said, start recording. Like, he's going to stand up. And honestly, I was on my knees, and as soon as I saw that butt, you know, the butts pop up first. They get their back legs under them, then the front comes up. So I, I would just had tension on the string. As soon as the butt come, came up, I just ripped back and just came to my anchor looking through my peep. And, of course, he stands up, and he's just facing me, just chewing, chewing on his cud. And he was facing me, and he was looking 100% just looking past me. Like, I could tell he wasn't, like, in that mule deer thing where he's just, like, locked on you, staring. He was just looking right past me, and then he, like, looked kind of over my right shoulder, and then he looked over my left shoulder. And the whole time I'm at full, I think I'm at full draw for, like, a minute and a half or more. Um, and I'm just at full draw, wind is just blowing, and I'm just squeezing every muscle I have in my arm to not have my arm blowing all over the place because, I mean, it was windy that day. And uh, he stood up, 
And then all of a sudden a doe stood up to his right and he looked at her and I thought, okay, here, he, as soon as he looked at her, I thought this is going to be my chance. And I keep in mind, I'm on my knees, but I can't see any of his body. I could only see from his jaw up. And so as soon as he looked at that doe, I just took my right leg and I just pulled it up to where my foot was on the ground. And so my left, my left knee's down, my right knee, my right foot's now up and I'm still at full draw. And he kind of just put his head down to like turn a little bit and I just rose right up. And as I came up, there's his whole body. It's just top pin on the heart. And when I shot, it just sounded like, it sounded like, honestly, it sounded like two lungs popping is what it sounded like. And then he just started hauling, and he went through one little opening, and I could just see that freaking huge rage hole just right exactly where you want it. And I just turned back and ran to Patrick and freaking fist pumped him and just said, dude, I never even, honestly, I didn't even watch him go down because it's just like, I don't know. I, I knew it was just everything was perfect, and it was, I don't know, it was surreal. It was a, it was a freaking good day. Oh, yeah. Well, and in, in, in reality, and I'm sure Alex told you this, like that was not a good year in that, that unit because it, it was dry. There wasn't that much corn. Um, you know, and obviously you shot Four an amazing drought, right? It, yeah. So. Yeah. And, I mean, you obviously you shot an amazing buck, and, and, and they shoot, you know, giant bucks every year. But, Alex, there was a, a, a buck out there with – like a 12 inch dropper and there was that one and the one that I had spotted um you know were really the two bucks he had wanted you to you know to kill which obviously it worked out you got that one and and I don't know like when I when I saw that buck when he walked in front of me I put him like low 90s and uh you know roughly like you know through a spotter at three to five hundred yards I can get close and I'm not the best mule deer judge in the world but He's a very unique deer and, 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 and a great, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's the kind of deer you hope for when you go on a hunt like that. I don't, the most intense, and I, you may be different, like elk are cool and I love hunting elk, but I don't get the intensity of a bull coming in screaming that I do approaching a mule deer. Uh, you know, with the mule deer, there's so much going on or sheep or goat or whatever. You've got to be, and I've tried to explain it to my wife, right? You're, you got 4 million things going on in your head as far as wind, what his tines are doing. Am I about to step on anything? Don't rub anything. What are the potential, when's the sun going to hit him? I mean, there's a lot going on in your mind and it's addictive, man. Mule deer hunting. I, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. There's two, there's actually two things that like that kind of get me out of like a very, very comfortable, like, there's a lot of animals I just like I get to a point where I'm like okay this is checkmate this is over you know like I know it's going to happen but for whatever reason mule deer and turkeys it's like if you're hunting turkeys if you're not in a blind and you're hunting turkeys like out in the open it's like that moment between when you know you're going to have a shot and can I get my bow back without like this sucker seeing me or hearing me or it's like there's this little moment where you once you get your bow back you're just like yes <laughs> you know yeah and w and with mule deer it is that way it's super addicting and 
you know, I've I've heard people say like, you know, mule deer aren't as smart as whitetail. Uh, there's they both have their they both have their superpowers, and you know, mule deer you're not hunting them the same as white. You know, if I was hunting a mule deer out of a tree stand, I'd say like, okay, yeah. I mean, if I'm hunting a mule deer out of a blind on an alfalfa field, they're they're a lot more like lax than a than a big whitetail that's coming to a food source like that. You know, they kind of have their patterns. But when it comes to shooting something bedded, you know, and you're having to bed them down, you have to go through a lot of stuff. They're hardly ever alone. They're always with someone else. They Their freaking hearing is superior. Um, yeah, it's it's like it's a whole different type of thing that you, you need a different skill set for. I mean, you really do. You have to have a different skill set to... To kill a mule deer, um, than you do to kill, like you said, an elk. You know, elk are elk are awesome and probably my favorite. You know, for if you've got a screaming elk and he's coming in, he's bugling, and I mean, dude, that's the the raddest. But with mule deer, glassing them from a long way away, having to make an exact mark, get in there. A lot of times, the other animals that are around them, it seems like. You always have to go past other stuff to get to the one you want. There's just a lot. There's so many factors. It's that's what makes it so freaking exciting. Yeah, a, a lot of different factors. And and again, it is it is different. Um, it's weird for me. I don't get as uh, for whatever reason. I I don't get typewriter leg on on really any animals except in a tree stand. And especially when I when it happens fast, I'm good. If I see a buck coming in from 300 yards out, it's, it can be pretty bad. I get pretty my, – my typewriter <laughs> leg will kick in, especially on a, a big buck. And, you know, with a, a mule deer and, and – uh, yeah, I've tried to ex- explain this to, to people, and, and it, it's hard to – you can't convey in words what's going on in your, your – you know, your mind when you're stalking in and getting sub-20, sub-30 yards from a mule deer and – there's a lot going on and there's a lot could could go wrong and like you say and sometimes it's like is this going to happen like I could do everything right and it's still not happen I mean there's you know mother nature terrain there's a lot going on um the other thing too I I think people need to remember you need to have a short-term memory and not you know you can't you know deflections broken twigs i mean you got to just keep going and eventually if you do the right thing enough you're, you're it's going to pan out and i mean your your situation's a great in mean, 3 days on that buck and finish it up with a heart shot at 20 some yards some guys get discouraged and you start to get discouraged it's it's pretty hard to come out of that hole sometimes if you've got deer you've got a chance and that you need to keep that in mind yeah yeah i was Honestly, every day that went by that every day that went by that I didn't that I was close and like didn't have a chance, I was like, okay, this is getting even less likely because it's one thing if I get on them one time. It's another thing if I see them a second time. Now, now I'm sitting here thinking like this is 3 days like this guy's had 3 days of education, right? Um but yeah, all you can do, and you and I are both that way. I mean, dude, we laughed about the deflections. It's just like you know, neither. It's not in your control. There's nothing either one of us can do about that. You know, it's like you have to just 
you have to just let it go. And and every one of those types of things are it's honestly a it's a lesson learned that the only way you're going to learn it is if it happens to you. And so I don't know. I think it's important, even though in a way it sucks. You know, it it just it makes you it makes you better as a especially as like a western hunter or mule deer hunter having those times where you're you're just freaking I don't know you're just struggling with uh I don't know struggling with mistakes it's like it, it you have to learn all that stuff in order to be better you know you really do yeah and I, I talked with uh Amy about this the next day we took her out for an antelope hunt she had some misses and I'm like look honey I uh you know I don't know what to say other than you need to have a short-term memory. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're only good as your last shot. And if you can't forget about that last shot and it was a bad one, you're on a uh, swirling, uh, you know, path down the shitter. Like you have got to chalk it up. It's learning a lesson, move on and don't get down on yourself. Cause I mean, no matter how much you hunt, nothing, nothing is a given. And you talked about that a minute ago, like, well, I missed mine at nine yards, you know, and I, how'd you miss it nine? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe you should come show me how to do it. Like I tried, <laughs> I practice all the time. Shit happens. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's not like you, you can't control everything. And again, it could have been a quarter inch that my, my veins caught or your veins caught. I mean, obviously you shoot, you practice, you do everything you can and nothing is a given, but if something goes wrong, just chalk it up in the memory bank. You, you learn something from it and, and move on. And in your case, you got yours the last day. Um, you know, same buck three days in a row. You guys were struggling to find a big buck the first couple and, and you know, came in and, and you pulled it off. And if you don't keep, a keep you know, your glass half full instead of half empty, you're going to have a long career hunting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like to – I honestly like to show my mistakes – um, I like to show, you know, I like to talk about my misses and, you know, I know some people, you know, use it, use it against me, but the reality is like, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, I hit an elk last year that, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't freaking find it. You know, he we went into some crazy stuff. We did our best and, you know, he ended up taking a, a turn out of that creek bottom that, we thought he went one way, he went another way. You know, we only had so long to look and luckily, you know, luckily he was found and I kind of, you know, I wanted people to know like, Hey, this happens to everybody. You know, it's going to happen to everybody, but you know, you just gotta, you gotta deal with it. You gotta get through it. You know, that's what you, that's, that is bow hunting, you know, a hundred percent. It sucks. Yeah, I will say uh, you need to have an even shorter term memory with a stick bow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> I don't want any memory with that thing. <laughs> it uh, it can I like I said I got I got lucky on mine, but you know earlier that day, um, you know when I when I had shot mine that that morning as a good example, uh, Josh had flagged me in to where the deer were. He lost them. I found him. You know we got back in and and uh, I can see. Josh is 300 yards and I can see him in the optics, uh, in his hand saying 40 yards. And I'm like, Shh, it might as well be 400 yards. Like yeah. I cannot see shit. Like I couldn't even see three feet in front of me. And I got to 20, 
one yards uh, and a three-point stood up. I had a shot at it, and we knew that wide one was in there. And, I mean, I'm doing the best I, I can to, to get in on these deer. And then they squirted out to the left and walked off. And I had a, you know, maybe a 55-yard shot. It wasn't a – I didn't take the shot. It was, you know, it was walking. And I'm like, uh, all right, you know, I guess we'll watch them and go bed down again. And so hopefully it's in center shit, right? And when they rebedded, we got, you know, we got lucky and I got in on them. M- mine was – really just right place right time like mine stood up right in front of me I didn't know it was there and and it worked out great clear shot again that could happen a hundred times you, you it, 99 of them that deer could have stood up and all I could have seen was its head I could have scared I mean you got to just keep getting after it and make the smartest choices you can and a lot of people you know there's a time to be patient there's a time to haul ass there's you know you, you learn those things by being out there. And if you're not out there, you're not learning anything. You can't pick that shit up on the internet. Um, you got it. You got to do it. Yeah. Alex said that to me. He's like, dude, he's like, I've, he's like, I really, he's like, I'm, I'm kind of a believer. And <laughs> he's like, I didn't know, you know, what type of hunter you were going to be. Obviously, you know, a lot of people, you just kind of, make an assumption based on it on Instagram, but he's like, you're, you're like patience and like you're how methodical you are at times, but then you're, you know, but then how, like how you move at other times, just out of instinct. He's like, dude, it's, you know, that that's so hard to like be able to tell someone that when you're guiding them, you know, and, and it's just come from, from years of, of, honestly not being fast enough or being too fast you know i wrote an article um years ago called be fast be still and that really does sum up mule deer hunting you know it's it's really and axis as well on you know in hawaii axis is such good training for mule deer but there's just times where when you can move you've got to move and then there's times where, like, I can guarantee you if Alex would have been with me, he would have been wanting to throw rocks and everything to get that sucker up. But there would have been no way. I feel like I had the best, I feel like I was in the best position at that exact time of just waiting him out because the wind was stable. You know, if it wouldn't have been stable, then then I would have felt a little bit differently about it. But, yeah. It was, it was a perfect, perfect situation. It was a super fun hunt too. Thanks for letting me know about it. I mean, you've been trying to talk me into it for several years, really. I think. Yeah, I, uh, I just, I get along really well with Alex. I, I like that area. He's got a lot of deer out there. Um, I mean, he made fun of me immediately. He's like, "Dude, you shot a dink." I'm like, "You told me to shoot a coal buck. Piss off, dude." I'm- <laughs> It's like it's a coal buck, but yeah, he uh he just likes to fuck with me. But I, I mean, it's it's nice because you get you know Alex is not um right behind you, right? He's just there, and then he lets you do your thing. Especially now, if you suck, he's not gonna let you do your thing. So <laughs> I guess if you go hunting with him, he's right beside you all the time. That you you have not graduated into mule deer hunting academy yet. But it you know like he was never you, he'll you know. When you guys went in, when I spotted that buck, he said, all right, man, I'm pulling out. I'm going to get behind the spotter over here. If if you've got the skills, he's not, 
you're not guided. You're he's just there to to show you where the deer are, and then you do your thing, which is is nice. Some guys don't do that, and I like that with Alex. Is he's not right up your butt. I mean, he's like, yep, make something happen. Good luck, and leaves you alone. Now, if he's if he's with you, obviously he might be a little bit more nervous that you may not make the right decision. But in the case where he was only with you in the truck, and then you went on the stock on your own, which which I prefer personally. Yeah. I don't know. All those types of hunts, I think for people, you know, I've said this a lot. Either of you guys sitting there just spotting, like watching, I'll guarantee you, like, there was something that you saw that you were able to, like, learn from, whether it's like, oh, he should have never done that, or, wow, that that freaking worked. Um, I tell people all the time, if you can't afford to go on, like, a mule deer hunt or you know, an elk hunt or whatever, you know, find someone that's going that needs help, you know, and go there and like learn from someone else's mistakes. You know, you can learn from someone else's mistakes in the hunting world, like real freaking quick, you know, just, you just need to go and you need to realize like, oh, mule deer hunting's way different than I thought it was. You know, this is, this is totally a different thing. I thought it was, you know, these dumb deer just running around like a lot of people have never hunted them say, which is totally not the case. You know, it's not the case at all. Yeah. Especially once they get to four years old, plus they didn't get that old by being dumb. They're pretty, pretty smart. And when it's that thick, I mean, hell, after you shot at the buck and got the deflection, it's not like that buck stood out in the wide open to say, Hey, I'm over here. Like we lost it. Like we couldn't, yeah. we couldn't find it. And yeah. we had two ninety fives on it trying to see. And I mean, he was smart where he dropped in, he knew he could get away and hide. And then you guys found him the next day. And yeah, it was, um, it was cool, man. I appreciate you letting me come out there and help out. And, um, yeah, I, I obviously got to thank Alex for letting me whack a coal buck and, and, uh, you know, my wife shoot an antelope. He's Alex is an interesting dude. He's, he's, uh, He'll make me laugh so hard at times my stomach will, will hurt. And those guys, he's taken down, well, I mean, it's the reason why you came out. They 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 shoot big deer every year. I mean, it's a good area. Yeah, it's a really – his guys that are with him, like I can't say enough about them either. It's it, I told him – I sent him a text and just said, like, hey, dude, it's not super common that that an outfitter has, like, multiple guides that are just – really good you know and and uh he he has his guides know what's up and and that's pretty freaking important for someone who's going on a hunt especially for the first time and you need your guide to be able to do that i i totally would have trusted any of those guys to give me directions if it it, you know if we'd have been in the situation where i'm like uh I don't really know what to do in this corn. You know, what should we be doing? It seems like those guys were freaking awesome. You know, hundred percent. Now they're trustworthy. They're cool dudes. They're they're funny. Josh, the guy that was with me, was hilarious because you know when I got out of the, the the weeds when I came back out, I gave him a thumbs up, and he was like. Yeah, I really couldn't see what was going on, man. I knew you were close. And I'm like, dude, I smelled him. He's like, you know, it's some kind of joke. He's like, I thought you were going to make love to him in there. I'm like, dude, I didn't know where they were. And he was, you know, the good sense of humor. And, uh, you know, when I when I shot and it ran off, like, they're very smart. He stood right where 
He saw it run. And, you know, you get some guys as, as simple as this sounds, and when it's that thick, he watched it, he marked it fall, uh, you know, within reason of what he could see. And then I'm like, hey, dude, it went over here. And he's like, yeah, I'll walk you in. Some guys, you know, as, as simple as that sounds, that's from – long time being out there you, you know they he watched right where it was at and was very cognizant of the situation and I mean dude he watched it fall and I still had trouble finding it for a minute it was that thick so it was pretty wild well not to mention there's a big difference between guys like me going out there one if I don't spot a deer like far out on the horizon like people who know exactly what that little black blip means and the other thing is they understand like undulation where someone who's, you know, from the Midwest that goes out there and is trying to look at something at four miles out, you don't realize how many like whoop de doos and stuff that are actually out there. I mean, Western, Western hunters have a very, very cool perfection at a craft. Um, there, you know, I always want someone from out west with me when I'm hunting western stuff because they just, they just know, honestly, just knowing how to like throw their freaking spot and scope down quick and get on something and how to follow it. Like, you know, it seems like nothing, but it's just one of those things where if you're not working a, a, a spotter in your hand every day, it, it's not as easy as you think to, to be able to follow a deer that's freaking hauling butt across the thing to try to keep eyes on it. Like all that stuff is a craft. And, uh, it's, I'm, I'm always impressed by, by the Western guys that, that have that craft and they've perfected it. I think it's pretty, pretty freaking rad. Oh yeah. For, for sure. Well, man, I've got a, uh, a team's meeting in about four minutes, so I should probably get off here. I've already put it off for an hour. Um, I definitely wanted to it's talk about... how long you put me off for, so... I know, yeah, right? Or for the course. <laughs> it's a busy day. Uh, I'm getting ready to go out, and uh, I, it was, I was supposed to fly to, uh, to, to, to Washington, and I had some complications, so I think I'm going to go try and shoot a buffalo uh, in the next couple of days, so I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Yeah, and stop staring at my package, bro. Dude, I tell you what, it was. I was telling Amy, I was laughing because I was like, walked up, and I'm like, huh, awkward. <laughs> Look away. And then I, when you drank your Gatorade, I did. I was like, yeah, that's awkward. I'm okay. Stop looking. <laughs> it's a good trick. That's yeah. I'm like, yes, I made Schneider feel slightly awkward for a moment in time. Like I'm gonna, I've got that to. I'm check that off my freaking bucket list. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, man, congratulations on the on the deer. It was a hell of a stock. Oh, I appreciate yeah. it. Well, cool. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. And um, I just did a video um, on some uh, uh, different compound archery stuff. And and uh, when you when you guys have questions, just go to knock on, and you can learn all you need to know. And and you don't need to pester me as much. Um, you can check out uh, what Dudley's putting out as far as tuning, tech tips, things like that um, on his webpage, YouTube page, and all of that. And you can see the hunts as well. So, Yeah, yeah. Get, get it all free, homies. Cool. All right, man. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it. All right. Sounds good. Right, see good. you later, homie. Take Bye. it easy.